Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second edition of KMA Talk Radio, the pandemic quarantine edition. I am Adam K. the Brewmeister, and this is everybody's favorite at-home edition of KMA Talk Radio. With technical difficulties up and abounds, thank you, AT&T and other internet service providers, for doing a great job and keeping everybody on the internet. Uh, with me, of course, as always, the man, the myth, Mr. Honest Abe. Hello, hello, hello. And, of course, everyone's favorite producer that the best we could afford, Mr. Paul... Hi, Paul. Paul Dude, DeCacco. I, I have like that's the, so fucked up. I have like the top of the line internet, and and now it's like it's like broadband. It's like dial up right now. They're they're experiencing difficulties. I got an alert, so it should be an interesting show. Now you know how we feel about our producer. Uh -huh. What are you saying? You pay for top of the line producer? You know that's not true. <laughs> for a two hour show that you put thirty minutes of work in. I think it's pretty close. <laughs> he's got a point there. Paul, Paul acts like he's producing like a fucking seven-day-a-week show, right? <laughs> well, why don't you pay me? Puts like 20 minutes a week of work in. <laughs> and yet I still... Put it, I put at least feels, 20 minutes a week. You could be the highest-paid producer. <laughs> one of the per, per minute you, yeah. Up there. Adam, you're frozen again. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, man. Abe, how are you guys doing over there? We'll try and put you that back in? on. Can you see me back again now? Yeah, we James see it. Okay, James great. Different quarantine day. Are you, like, finding, like, new hobbies or things to do during the day? Uh, believe it or not, I've been staying very busy. Like, yesterday was, like, I might as well have been in the office busy. Oh, really? I was on my phone from 8.30 in the morning till 6, dealing with stuff and because of the online stuff being so high traffic right now and we're operating on a skeleton crew i'm fielding a lot of customer service issues because guys are reaching out to me directly and i can't tell them to call in because there's two guys and they're shipping and they don't answer so I, i'm staying kind of busy throughout the day wow i i mean are you do you are you seeing like that you have to like increase bandwidth on the site because of the traffic no, we kind of, we, we've kind of, we, we're, we're, we've already been doing that over the years as traffic. We run into problems where there's like unexpected surges. I mean, we even expect a surge. Like we had that sale like two, three weeks ago and like we went like eight times more normal of the capacity, you know, the capacity to hold it at one time. And it still like got crushed, but that's usually only in the first 15 or 20 minutes because you know, we know when it goes down, we get an alert, and the guys start working on it right away, and I think they got it up and going within 10 minutes. Okay. So it wasn't like a whole... Well, you know, do. we forgot. What we didn't realize is, because normally when we have sales, it's usually like Friday through Sunday or weekend or 48 hours. That was a five-hour sale. So, like, everybody, like, was on at the minute mark and, and just slammed the site. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh... We've, since we've delayed our uh, our special guest uh, enough, Eric, Adam, you want to give him an intro? Absolutely. Joining us this week on the quarantine edition of KMA Talk Radio from his home in New Haven, Haven Connecticut, uh, rocking a pipe, or he was rocking a pipe earlier, but now it looks like he's going to light up a cigar. Uh, from Foundation Cigars, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Nick Melillo. Nick, thanks for being here, buddy. Guys, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. It's been a while. 
So uh, is all the snow gone out of New Haven now, or uh, <laughs> you still see some of that at all? You know, it's crazy. It snowed uh, last night um, for a little bit, a little snowstorm. Yeah, and I think it snowed up north from uh, from here, like in uh, Mass and New Hampshire, and uh, yeah. But it, it's gone now. But it wow. came in and and left. Sometimes you get those late late April snows up here in Connecticut, but. Gotta love the now. My, you know what I've been yeah. noticing from my family in Chicago. Now I moved out. Of, is that a plane? Did you hear that? No. Oh wow, these are no. These are good headset. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like a huge plane. I can hear it. But you know what? Uh, it it went over Adam's house first, and I heard it, and then it went over my house, and now it's going over your house. So I know what direction it's going. Oh, then it's going to come back around against me on its way to, probably to the municipal airport then. But yeah, I mean, since I left Chicago, what I've noticed is just winter snow is moving later, later in the year, right? I remember. You no, know, I noticed the same. Yeah. yeah, I remember growing up. I mean, look, we're all roughly. I mean, I'm the oldest probably of the group, but you guys aren't far behind. But I remember trick or treating in snow growing up. I definitely remember having turkey Thanksgiving turkey bowl football games in snow growing up. Yeah. Every Christmas was always a white Christmas. And now in Chicago, they don't even see snowfall till January and February. Yeah, it seems like it all it shifted, and now there's no spring, Abe. So the, now it goes from you know we'll get colder weather, and then it goes right into May, and we're into you know hot. There's no there's no spring, and fall is yeah much yeah, later too. Very weird. Or it's just basically you have to Shifting. look at it by, based on uh, what flavor they're serving at Starbucks. Is it pumpkin spice season? Is it winter <laughs> latte season? Or is it, uh, yeah. Spoken spoken like a true barista, because if anybody doesn't know, that was Adam's job before we had the lovely glory of hiring him. Yeah, you know, we've never talked to him about that. we got to, one of these him, days. Ask him about his barista life. Adam, a lot of espresso. Who did you work for? Who did you work for? The S-Bucks. Was it like a serious, hardcore, like coffee, like people that are serious about their coffee, or was it more like a Starbucks kind of situation? Oh, it was no, a total Starbucks situation. Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks. Oh, it wasn't. No, Starbucks. it wasn't a situation. Yeah, yeah, okay. It was Starbucks. Uh, yeah. 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 Gotcha. So gotcha. listen, a lot they, of people want their lattes. They act like it's a, a science making the espresso with with those machines. Do you like if you go if you you know with the machine you know can, can you can you go into detail about, you know, briefly about how difficult it is to make an espresso the right way at Starbucks? Uh, no, because they no longer pack the puck, and that's the biggest thing because they got away from that probably, man, going on 15 years ago. They stopped packing the puck, and for those who don't know what that is, that's literally grinding the coffee for the espresso right there and having a solid puck of espresso to where it just feeds down, and you just have to make sure you hook it up. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. How do they do it now? Well, no, they just have an automatic grinder that's in there, and it just filters directly into the espresso pod, and it's not an actually packed puck. So It's, it's not like it's a pre-made one, but it just automatically filters through, so it just automatically just fills whatever it needs, then you just got to dump it out. But they don't bang out the puck? Like, you know, you used to see them pull it out and have to bang out the puck really hard to get it out? They don't do no, that anymore? Automatically, like a lot of them will automatically dump them now, too. Wow, and that machine eliminated probably as much that. as my car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You, you know, you know, he has a French press at his desk. 
Yeah, I I have like five Does French he really? presses here. They, they're great, at, man. At your office? I used to, not at this office. At my old office, I used to keep a French press at my desk. That's how I made my coffee in the morning, yeah. Here guys, we, we have You guys are just day. so snazzy. What, what's I used the old school, the old school Italian, like silver. You know that percolator? I, and you put it, you oh, yeah. Put it, they yep. call it. Yeah, Wait, the Cubans use it a lot. Nick, do you put it on the stove? Like, my grandmother used to have one oh, that you would yeah. put on the stove. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't know I what they're called. I just made some this morning. It's, that's what my, my – I remember my grandmothers, my great-grandmother, they, they used that machine. I think they made that machine in, like, 1900. I looked it up once. It was <laughs> patented in, like, 1900. It's <laughs> – it's my favorite. I have one in Nicaragua also, but the uh, Cubans use it a lot for making uh, all the Cuban oh, yeah. coffee. So since we're and on, now they have ones that they have ones that are electric now. So it you don't even have to put them on the stove. It comes uh, with like a little. You plug it into the wall, and it has like an electric heater. So you don't even need the gas stove yeah, anymore. When I was in Italy, anymore. those things were everywhere. Everybody was trying to sell you those as a souvenir, but not the electric ones. I would have bought one of those. So, Nick, since we're on the whole coffee thing, are you still putting out your own foundation-branded coffee? And have you expanded no. that at all, or is that falling to the wayside? No, I ended up um, kind of axing that and just staying focused on, on the cigars. It was, uh, it was a fun project, you know, to start, and then I was just too busy to let me, uh, let me really ask focus. You, let me ask you something. What is this uh, common common thing where cigar guys just get into making coffee i mean there's been a lot of i mean is it just the agricultural aspect you know what i mean but it's, it just seems common fuente's done it you've done it gabby caffey's done it um i think altus has done it i know there's mm -hmm. been like three or four i mean what, what is it, where is is there something behind agriculturally that's causing this or is this just a coincidence I think for me, it's just part of the ritual of my day. So cigars and coffee. So being on the production floor in Nicaragua, it's always starts, you know, checking the production floor, a cup of coffee. And to me, like when people ask about pairings, I'm not a huge drinker. Um, well, Adam might might uh, contest that based on my times at Smoke In. <laughs> but um, usually, usually... <laughs> Usually, you know, I always say, Abe, for me, you know, my perfect pairing with a cigar is always coffee. Um, you know, that's one of my, like right now, this is, there's nothing better for me than lighting up a cigar in the morning and having a cup of coffee. So um, someone at the time had made it kind of easy. They were roasting coffee. Um, you know, it was pretty, what I thought was easy at the time. Um, to just have our own branded uh, coffee based on each brand. So I had like the Wise Man, I had a Nicaraguan blend, Tabernacle, I had an Ethiopian Sadamo blend. So it was kind of a cool concept to start, and uh, I gave it a shot. But at the end of the day, uh, I want to stay focused on cigars. Exactly what I got this morning. I got my. What do you got of, there? Uh, it's my cup of coffee. It's my Joe. What do you drink? What do you like? Um. We, I, I make K cups at the house, man. It's, I think it's either some, some Starbucks or whatever my wife buys. Yeah, good stuff.
Do you guys know the the Do you guys know the story of the origins of coffee? Where coffee comes from? Anybody? Abe? Uh, oh boy. It it does. I mean, the, the actually how it was discovered and then used. Yes, it does have uh, some ties to an animal. Oh yeah. So it, it, it enlightened the listeners. So Ethiopia is the origin of coffee. So it was said at one point um, there used to be the priests. This guy, I think it goes back. I actually don't know the year, but it goes back quite a way. So the the priests in Ethiopia, some of them were sheep herders and goat herders. So they would notice the goats after they would eat from this berry bush, they would call them the laughing goats because they would eat from these bushes and then kind of act kind of crazy and make funny noises and kind of sporadic. So then they noticed that those berries, they started making a porridge out of, out of it. Um, you know, the, there was the bean inside, but it's a berry. So then they would make this, this kind of like, they didn't take the bean out of it directly yet. So they would notice that it would keep them, help keep them up. So they used to drink it to stay up at night to pray so they wouldn't fall asleep um, praying at night. So eventually they took the bean out. So in Ethiopia, whenever you drink coffee, it's actually a very spiritual ceremony. So they always bring coffee out with frankincense and myrrh. And it's actually like a a full-on ceremony. So Wait, from do you there, eat it the kinda... frankincense and myrrh, or it's just there for scent. No, what? it burns. So when, like, if you ever go to a traditional Ethiopian restaurant, um, or you know, the real traditional ones, they have, um, they need like 10, 15 minutes to prepare it. They bring out burning frankincense and myrrh because frankincense and myrrh was one of the main. They used to trade a lot of that from Ethiopia because a lot of it comes from. From Ethiopia, also frankincense and myrrh. That's why one so, of the wise uh, men brought it to Jesus. That, that is correct, and they say <laughs> one of the wise men was e- Ethiopian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it crazy? That is, and absolutely from nice. there, it traded traded around the world. So let me ask you, Nick, being a being a coffee guy, have you ever tried Kopi Luwak? Do you know do you know about its origin and what it is and, and where they get it from? Dude, this stuff, I've never tried it and I don't know. Is this the bat shit stuff? So it's or something? A, yeah, it's like a it's I think it's technically like a cat. But it, I thought it was a goat. It, is it like a goat? We can no, it's definitely a like a rodent type animal. Whatever it is, it's they, they eat the beans, they digest it, oh, no, and no, they're spitting them out. it up. Don't they spit it up? I, they I you know, I think they poop it. I'm pretty sure because I've looked into it before because the stuff is like, you know, like a hundred dollars for like eight ounces, like of ground yeah. or, or, or actually whole beans. So like it's it's ridiculously expensive, but it's supposed to be the best coffee in the world. And apparently the enzymes in this animals and I can look it up if somebody if one of our guys doesn't know it, but uh, the enzymes in this animal's stomach apparently do something to the bean because it stays whole you know, it just passes through their system. They eat, I guess they eat the outer part and the inner part of the seed comes out. I don't know. 
uh-huh. but I, I don't know. It's it's a it's something I've I've thought about trying, but like I I know very few people who have actually tried it before. So that's why I was curious. A man a man. Somebody who told me you. about this. Yeah, I've never tried it. I, <laughs> I don't you? know if I would. <laughs> I don't. I. I I don't know. If it comes out the backside, I don't know if I would be tr- trying that. <laughs> Come on, they, they got to wash it and roast it and yeah, everything. Yeah, they do clean so it. I'm sure there's a cleaning process. Yeah, they clean it. They clean it, I've heard. That's and it's gross. not like it's fully digested. It just It's like they eat the fruit and then the seed comes out the butt, you know, whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you eat corn. I think Abe, Abe wants to try it. <laughs> no, sir. But there, you yeah. know. Real coffee snobs sounds like a delicacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not into it to that extent. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least now we know where your far. limit is. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with my cake up. Mm-hmm. Hey, but when you have yeah. a really good cup of coffee, like at your shop, compared to that cake cup, doesn't that bother you me. that you don't have that at home? Because nah, at your shop, because, you make because, great coffee there. No, it doesn't because this is just kind of like, you know, more of a sustenance caffeine than I'm enjoying coffee right now. You know, I don't drink a lot of coffee at home. I mean, now I am. Now I am, but typically I drink 95% of all my coffee at work. Right. So I'm never really that concerned about what she's buying or bringing at the house for coffee. It's, It's good enough for when I need coffee at home. Unfortunately, it's all the coffee I'm drinking all day right now. Nick, changing yeah. the subject briefly. So is, is New Haven your, I mean, permanent home? You're on the road so much, but is, is where you are, is that where you're, you would call your primary residence? Yeah, officially uh, <laughs> primary residence. But yeah, like I was just in Nicaragua most of the first quarter. Okay. So now it's like, you know, between managing the office, our office is here in Windsor, Connecticut. So it's about... Um, it's about 40 minutes north of, from where I'm at. I was born here in New Haven, and most of my family's uh, in this area. Okay. But uh, my office is is in the Connecticut River Valley, um, about 40 minutes north. But, man, up until this whole coronavirus outbreak, I mean, I was on the – this is the first time I've been in one spot for more than three weeks, man, in like real? a long time. Yeah. For real. So it's it feels kind of nice right now just to just to be grounded and to be in one spot. Uh, Do you like it? You, because, you're enjoying it because because a lot of guys we've been talking to it's it's kind of like getting to them a little bit that like they're used to being every week somewhere else. Yeah, I yesterday was kind of tough the first time, but I've been enjoying <laughs> it just just to I needed to slow down. So right. uh, of course I wouldn't want it, you know you know, in this situation, but, uh, I needed to slow down because it's been five years. I mean, five years foundation started in September and it's just been, I don't know where it's gone, man. It's gone. It's been a blur and it's just (laughs) been a nonstop. It's been a nonstop hustle. You know, you're wearing a lot of hats, um, you know, just on the move constantly. And there's, you know, always something to do. Right. So I could. What is the biggest you know, thing you think you've learned in these five years now, Nick, as you've uh, gone through and building all the building up foundation and everything else? Learn uh, multitasking. Definitely <laughs> uh, how to manage time. 
um, which I'm not the greatest, but I think I've gotten better at it. But there hasn't, um, you know, I'm one person. So it's like managing Nicaragua, the team, quality control. I got my marketing team down in Nicaragua. Then we got the tobacco side of things. Man, that's that's, that's a full time job. And then more, go ahead. No, no, see, and that was actually one of the things I wanted to ask because, you know, as an entrepreneur, I always like to study other people because that's how I try to learn to try to avoid mistakes. And, you know, typically the common thing you see when a guy, someone like yourself, whether it be a guy who's basically overseeing tobacco growing or a chef who now is, who's worked for a chef in a restaurant for a long time and now is starting his own restaurants, right? They don't realize the other aspects that's been running in the background for the whole organization, right? Because for years yeah. you were you were involved in one segment, and now you're looking at marketing, you're looking at advertising, you're looking at employment, you're looking at hiring. It's it's you know a lot of areas that you weren't normally involved in. What area have you at all found to be the most the most difficult to adapt to, the, or or or, or has the, most the most difficult? difficult yeah, is managing, you know, the sales uh, sales side of things. The sales and, team. Yeah, team. The sales team definitely is is very much a challenge. Um, and then tending to all of our customers and giving people the proper attention, Abe, you know? Like, I understand no matter who my customers are, they keep us – that they're the reasons why I'm, I'm alive and I'm a company. So, so – I'm so appreciative of that, but I don't always get to express that, I think, or show that always to to my customers. And that's that's difficult sometimes. Um, but managing, you know, um, sales reps also because they're not working for you. They're not on your team 100 percent, meaning, you know, they're yeah. working for 10 other brands or so you don't have 100 percent devotion. Um and you're trying to build brands. So that's the that's the catch. Uh, is that the saying catch 22? Because yeah. you need people to help build brands and to deliver the message. Um, and then just the nature of the sales reps is, you know, they just have usually have so many brands. I mean, within my portfolio, I have seven brands. So then, you know, you take somebody that's managing 10 different brands that have you know, seven different brands within their portfolio. That's a lot. Um, so that's been a challenge. Um, you know, and it's like seeing the different businesses. I was, you know, for so long just on the production, the fermentation, the farming side. I always see this business as three different businesses. You have the farming then you have the manufacturing and then you have the sales and distribution. And over the past five years, I've definitely been learning a lot about sales and distribution um, because I hadn't been in the sales side of things since the nineties. So, and things have, have changed a lot. So, well, the, the yeah. aggravating, the aggravating thing about that formula is you could be great in the first two, but if you're not good at the third, it's, problematic it's done it's right? problematic yeah yeah or you so, can have great cigars and you know your marketing or your packaging yeah. or your messaging is not coming through and i've seen you it, know i've seen it 
where, you know, they have the first two components are average, you know, the final product, but their marketing and sales compensate and they do well, right? But if you're great in the first two, but you don't get the marketing and sales done and you fail there, you overall fail. So that's that, it's a very key component. Yeah. And I think some of the real tobacco guys can get frustrated on that because they they're actually, you know, tobacco guys living it day in and day out on the NICA side. But they're totally disconnected to the U.S. side. So they, you know, there's like you said, they miss that that aspect or they're tobacco guys that, you know, come from maybe the Cuban side of things or haven't had it exposure to the u.s market maybe outside of you know the caribbean or maybe florida because florida is definitely its own world you know when it comes to 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 cigars especially southern southern florida so if you don't have kind of knowledge outside of that i think it's difficult because you may not understand the flavor profiles or what people like um you know outside of what you've been exposed to and maybe sense. even the size the size needs across the entire country. I'm sure you've seen that too as you've had to travel around is something sells great in one part of the country but doesn't sell in the rest of the country and vice versa. It's all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Huh. So since we're on the file, okay, go ahead, Paul. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I, I didn't know that, that, that the, the sizing was so regionalized. Is the, is the, the, the blend, are the blends regionalized as well like do people from from like your area the tri-state area are they more do they do they push towards a certain type of your blend other than what they smoke down here in florida let's say um that's a good question um i think i i've noticed from our blends and brands like it's been interesting because we've had pretty con it's been pretty consistent in each area, like our growth in each area and um, the brands in each area. It's been nice to see because everything's kind of on par with everything else. So we don't have an area that's sort of out of whack with the rest of the area. And I think it's because we have a portfolio of products that kind of caters to all different smokers that walk through that, that's that humidor, you know, and, um, that's kind of what I was trying to focus on in creating the portfolio is, you know, from the store standpoint is, you know, in the course of a day, you have people that come in that want milder, medium, fuller, infused. So I kind of wanted to make sure that we had something for each one of those customers coming through the door. And it's okay. um, seemed to work out throughout the throughout the country so far. OK, <laughs> Adam, go ahead. Okay, no, I was going to say, Nick, you know, we mentioned it earlier, this is now five years, and I know we were talking before the show started, you got some special stuff planned. Um, what are you working on to celebrate this 50-year anniversary? Yeah, so September, uh, this September is our five-year anniversary when we started shipping Elway Wednesday, which is my first uh, blend, which, Abe, I remember sitting <laughs> with you in your office and talking about it five, five years ago. You Literally. that. Oh, and, I know. Uh, Going fast. Uh, so, so I'm coming out with a special five-year anniversario uh, to commemorate our five-year launch. I think we lost Adam. There he he's, is. He's back. 
yeah, he's gonna he's gonna go in and out because he has the slowest internet connection, so his video goes away. I'm, on, I'm sixty up and sixty down. How's that down? <laughs> go ahead, continue. Sixty up and six and sixty down. Um, so yeah, so this um, September, um, probably August September, we're gonna be releasing the the five year anniversary. So I'm working on a special blend, uh, special special box, and a whole special package. So it's in the works right now. Um, hopefully, hopefully it will come out in time. Um, I was actually working on that, uh, three, you know, two weeks ago before this all, this whole Corona thing went down and I had to leave Nicaragua. So, um, it's kind of, uh, yeah, hopefully it will come out in time. Now, are you anticipating any delays? Obviously, cause you know, uh, we've been hearing from a lot of people, the box factories are closed and that's going to be one of the biggest problems they're they're worried about because you know you still got to keep working with the tobacco you can age the cigars once they're rolled yeah we're actually good on uh, on boxes so um i actually been holding an inventory so now we've gotten to a point i've been um you know holding some inventory boxes so that doesn't slow us down so we should be good it's just a matter of the factories uh right now everything's pretty much open but um hopefully it doesn't things don't shut down. I'm kind of concerned about that, that here in the States, it's going to get better. And then Nicaragua is going to go the opposite direction. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but we'll see. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday. Like what, what is going on there? Are they testing for the virus? Do they like, is there a concern there? There, there is, there's a, there's a huge concern. So when it, it all went, down and started coming out, um, the people took it seriously. So in Esteli, people were taking it very seriously, but there was no official stance really from the government until this past week. So it took them some time to really respond. Um, but the people, you know, you can imagine people have been through some pretty, can we swear on the show? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. Some, some serious shit down in Nicaragua, you know, dengue, uh, chicken guia, uh, different things. So I th- when this hit, people, the people started taking it pretty seriously from what I saw in Esteli. Um, but it took some time for the government to really uh, uh, to, to officially respond to it, which right. they, I believe they now have. So, Because we thought, you know, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gabby Caffey is, uh, Dr. Caffey is watching with us. I think they closed yeah. the the factories in in Honduras. I think they closed factories in Dominican Republic, but Nicaragua mm-hmm. they're they were closed for the holiday, right? But they're everything's back correct. open now. Mm-hmm. That is correct. And or yeah, Ortega was missing for some time, and he just made a, a, a broadcast this past week. Okay. So there was kind of a lot of speculation as to where he was, and his wife was making a lot of the the uh, public uh, addresses, and then he just made an address this week. Huh. So, yeah, it's kind of an odd situation. Do you think that they will end up closing the factories in Nicaragua? I don't know, man. I don't know. It depends on, I, I don't really know how many real cases you have down there. And that's, right. I think it's kind of, tough to know because you don't have the the medical equipment testing equipment and 
um, overall, yeah, a lot of these things. So we don't know how many real yeah. cases we have here. Yeah, that, exactly. If yeah. we don't know, they surely don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. My, um, yeah, we don't know because a lot of people are getting it. And my lawyer, um, when I was in Nicaragua had gotten sick and I ended up talking to her last week. She was over it, but she had been to exposed to somebody in Colorado and, you know, he, she didn't have um, symptoms that were severe enough. So they just told her to stay home. So she doesn't know if she had it or not. She thinks that, she does. But that happened you to me never in know. February. I was in Disney and some guy was hacking up a lung on, on a bus. I was stuck on for two hours because of a whole marathon thing, whatever. And I came back and I went right to the doctor because this was before it was really here. And uh, and they said uh, they said, you don't have severe enough symptoms and not enough symptoms for us to, to warrant getting a test for you to test. So stay home and yeah, you know, yeah. if you're not better in a week or two, let us know. But I think I had it too. Yeah, there's so many people that have it that don't have symptoms. That's the problem, right? right. Adam, I mean, why are you shaking your head? I'm looking at Paul saying he's got it. He didn't have it. How do you know? You weren't here. You, were you taking care of me when I was sick? Yeah, just, he looks like he had it. You just seem like you'd be the <laughs> hypochondriac type. He sounded like my bit. doctor. <laughs> You know, oh, I feel a lump in my neck. Oh, you, know, you seem like you're that kind of guy. Am so, I right? Someone is. What's that? Am I right, Paul? No, I'm not a hypochondriac. Mm. I, I'd have to get really? Stephanie. On, I'd have to hear it from Stephanie to get a confirmation on she, that. She's busy right now. Yeah, I'm sure. She's got two kids. My parents are here, though, because they've been quarantining. They haven't Let's left be- their house. Let's be real. Steph has three kids. <laughs> isn't that every? Isn't that every wife? Your husband's your other kid. Stop it, Abe. Stop. Not in what? a real man's home. You're saying you do everything yourself at that house. Um, doing everything for myself. I mean, like what? Like do my She's own. She's your laundry? mommy. She does your laundry. She she makes your dinner. She yeah. That's not what constitutes being a kid. So what does? Because I do most of the cooking here, just so you know. Oh, she oh. tends, she tends oh. to your emotional and psychological needs. Isn't that what a wife is supposed to do? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I don't. I don't know what you're. Where you see? You don't want to say it. You don't want to say what you really mean, because we're on the air. My- that's the master bedroom right there. <laughs> so, you know, right? like right there, that wall is the master bedroom. So I think my voice could go through walls right now. Oh, I'm sure so it can. It's going I'm, through walls. I'm pretty sure she's watching too. So, but, but I'm the one with a mommy. <laughs> yeah. Very much yeah. so. So Nick, you, I think, I don't think we've had you on since the, um, the new El Wuense came out, right, Adam? Have we did we talk about the Maduro? I think we lost. Uh, I I don't think so. We lost Has your video, Adam. Long? So I'm gonna go right to. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think we did. You may have touched on it last time you were on, but I don't think it was officially like available. I mean, Adam and yeah, I have smoked it a bunch of times. That's like two years now. You've Maybe. been busy, man. You've been all over the place. You're hard to nail yeah, down. That's true. Well, we try to it's get true. people to come on live rather than do phone calls. But now, obviously, we're we're 
we don't have a choice. Mm. So we have this new system. But yeah, that's probably why yeah, yeah, the wise, the wise man Maduro. And we got number three cigar of the year, cigar aficionado last year for it, um, which awesome. was a huge honor. Um, yeah, wise man Maduro, San Andreas Mexican wrapper, uh, binder, filler, all Nicaraguan. Um, really just tasty smoke, soft box press. Um, so it was the Maduro version of the Wawense, which the Wawense means the wise man in the, the local Nicaraguan language. So I definitely thought we needed a Maduro version. So hence the wise man Maduro. And uh, it's been a huge success for us. A um, little bit easier to pronounce uh, than the Wawense. So it really translated to the final consumer. But um, yeah, wise man Maduro, five sizes. You get Torpedo, Robusto, Churchill, Corona, and uh, a 6x56 Toro. Which um, traditionally, you know, I'd like to make six by fifty-two toros, but uh, there's been a big call for larger ring ring gauges, so I ended up making a fifty-six to kind of suffice all those larger ring gauge lovers. Is that you guys get a lot of comeback? I mean. I'm I'm not a huge. I, I usually don't go personally above a fifty-two ring gauge. Um, typically like a six by 52 is my ideal size. And that's how I start all the blends when I'm working on blends. I just feel six by 52 is a nice, um, length and ring gauge to really get the fullness of the blend. And then I blend the cigars out from there. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely, um, a big demand for larger ring gauges compared to when I was coming up in the business. I mean, right. A 54 in the 90s was was a big ring gauge. Now a 60 ring gauge is like a standard. Man, yeah, it's standard it's, now. I and thought we that sell, had gone we sell a by lot the wayside. I thought that had been like coming gone that that phase. No, man, I, I mm. no, no, huh. no. I mean, you're getting up to 70 ring gauges now. I mean, people. Abe, do you sell a lot of? You must sell a ton of big ring gauge cigars. No, no, still a huge, huge seller. You know, La Gloria. Yeah. Listen, La Gloria was like really the La Gloria Serie R. I'm going back to, to 2000, 2002 maybe. Um, was the first line that really kind of bought that big ring gauge out. And back then, I think like 56 was the biggest ring gauge, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe 50, maybe one of them was 58, but I think 56 was the biggest. And those were all, all, it was a line that was just all big ring gauges, you know, 54, 56. And um, you had Diamond Crown that was that way too, 52, 54. Um, but yeah, it just, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we're seeing, you know, common 70 and 80 ring gauge cigars. You know who was one of the first ones to make the big ring gauge? I think it was, remember the uh, Perdomo Immenso? Back Perdo in the, Nick, uh, Nick Perdomo is the only manufacturer that has a predicate date, 60 ring gauge or uh, 80, I think 60 ring gauge cigar. I think. Really? I, I don't think there was a 60 ring gauge cigar before that. Yeah. Because wow. he made a, he, that was like a 70 ring gauge. That was, that was, that was a hundred ring gauge. Was it? 
I think a Mensa was like a hundred ring gauge. I just remember the poster of the woman, the old woman smoking that. Yeah, you know what? You know what? It could be a sixty because back then, a sixty. No, it was, was like, bigger. What, I think you were right. Yeah. Day, but but I know I know somewhere along the way I can't remember how it came up in conversation or where I read it. But yeah, Perdomo has the only predicate cigar that's a sixty ring gauge or bigger. Huh. Wow, that's, that's a cool pretty, fact. That's pretty awesome. That's what yeah. I, I see. I guess for for guys like Abe, like a hundred ring gauge would be just it looks like a regular cigar in his hand. But somebody like me, it may be like holding a paper towel roll. Like I, it's just too big. It's, it's giant for me. Yeah, it's too much. But it's interesting. You see some sometimes you see some smaller guys that that love the big ring gauges. Ronnie Heisha saying he loves an 80 ring gauge. He's on here now. Yeah. One of our, one of our listeners. And he, uh, I, just, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's much taller than me. <laughs> it's that Napoleon complex, I guess. <laughs> Is that what they call it? Yeah. I, I don't know, Abe. You think uh, Ronnie Heisha has a, uh, or Heisha has a uh, Napoleon complex? Uh, he's got some complex, some that maybe hasn't quite been medically uh, determined what it is. But, yeah, there's some complex there. But I love the guy. I love <laughs> the guy. guy. Ronnie, Ronnie's a good guy. I just I just got to make sure I have my decoder ring every time I he texts something so I could understand what he's, tech, what he's putting on the Facebook, right? Which is really Why? funny is because – uh, Listen, it's really funny because somebody like, – like, I can't remember who it was like – Oh, does this guy speak English? Like, he speaks perfect English. He just can't type. He seems what Ronnie does is he uses voice <laughs> to chat a lot, but then doesn't bother correcting any of the voice to chat. He's getting so angry uh, in the chat right now. I, I, I was wrong. He said fifty is 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 the max. I thought he said eighty before. I think he was making a joke. He was like eighty ring gauges all day. Mm. But but <laughs> but um. But no, I mean, like seriously, like I mean, like half his texts are, I mean, are just like they, they don't connect. And what he does is, you know, he told me he's like, I drive a lot, I use voice to chat, and he just won't bother correcting it. So whatever the uh, the dictation types is what goes on. Send it. Yep. Send it. <laughs> Send it. Good God. The days of modern technology and being able to converse with people by inaccurate thought. Got yeah. it. All the best. <laughs> so nick what is this you got in your hand it looked like you got an interesting perfecto shape there if i'm not mistaken oh man very observant very observant yes yeah i'm working on some perfectos i think this is going to be the year of the perfecta so this is uh something i was working on just before i left uh nicaragua so i only have like 20 sticks so i've been smoking these pretty pretty consistently i can't stop smoking them so I always well, liked like the little uh, perfecto sizes. Do you know? Do you know some of these? Yeah. Do you Do you know the story about why they call them perfectos? You know, I don't. I, I just heard, love to I, know that. I don't know either. I heard. I heard. Oh. And I, I I was wondering if it was you or not, but I had heard somewhere along the, the twenty three years I've been in this business that they were called perfectos because. The perfectos will typically come to a smaller tip, right? Correct. And it's, yeah. And it's and it's easier to light the whole face of the cigar than it is usually when you have a fifty ring gauge 
where you miss an edge and you get an uneven burn. To perfect those right. typically would, would create a more perfect burn on a cigar. Now, oh. I don't, that's just something I had heard a lot of years. It could be urban legend. It could be whatever, but that, I, I, I was wondering, because I know you, you're a factoid kind of guy. I was wondering if you had heard that along the way anywhere. I mean, that would make, that would make sense. That would make perfect sense. Um, because then you could really tell, you know, the construction of the cigar also, um, you know, if it was done properly, because just by lighting that, the, the small end of the foot and then seeing how it burns the rest right. of the way right. would kind of show how, how good the uh, cigar was rolled and they would probably have their best, uh, boncheros making those. So. That makes sense. Because on a Perfecto, you could typically get, you, you know, even in the old days with the flame, you get the full flame on the whole circumference of the cigar, where yeah. on a bigger cigar, you got to get the edges, you got to roll it if you want to get that perfect burn. But that's just what I've heard. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the, the Perfectos that have that really pronounced nipple. You know, the... the you're, like, not a, you're not a nipple like guy? A, I'm a guy? nipple guy, but I don't like big long nipples. You know what I mean? I like a I like a shorter, more sensitive nipple. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, all right. I never thought I'd hear about ideas on nipples. Speaking of yes. uh, speaking of nipples, of has, anybody nipples? Been, has, has anybody been playing battle nips? What? What? What the hell is Battle Nips? Battle Nips? How do you have so much free time with four kids in your house and a dog? Dude, (laughs) I sleep in like three hours a night. I don't know how you guys are, but my sleep cycles to shit. I don't know if it's because of my mind or whatever, but I'm not getting more than three hours sleep a night. I haven't had insomnia since I moved to Florida. It used to be a constant battle for me. But but also, I was an actor and I worked for myself most of the time. And I just stayed up late nights and stuff and couldn't sleep. Now, all of a sudden, it's back. Since I've been in Florida, it was gone. And now, I can't sleep, man. I'll, I'll be up till 2, 3 in the morning. Wake up at 6. So, so, I'm in this group chat now. So, I'm playing battle nips with guys. But basically, they sent, there's, a, there's a picture of a topless woman. And then she has, like, a bingo board in front of her area. And you got to guess, like, number 18 and 24, where the nipples will lie. And then the, the winner, they post a fade-in shot later to see where it comes. It's like a hot internet game right now. Is it on your your Oracle <laughs> thing, like your uh, your virtual reality Abe, thing? You're scaring no, me. no, no. It's it's some couple guys were on a text. It's just a group text. I they love have, how you said it's the hot thing on the internet. Yeah, listen, <laughs> listen, like, yeah everybody's doing listen, it. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. It's been like the most exciting thing of my day of the last couple of days. Wow. Where can yep. I find this now? I will text you a. I will okay. text you All a right. game board. I will text you a game board after the show. Okay. I can't wait. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's gonna be it's exciting. It's gonna now. be all weekend now. <laughs> can I challenge? Can I play against other people so I can play against you or something like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. What you do is when you get one, you send it to ten of your friends and you let them all start guessing, and you know depending on you know what kind of woman you use. You know, it's 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 like it's like battleship, right? You're looking, you know, for the battleship. Oh, I got it. You got to guess where to nip. I got it. Right. Got there's, it. there's a there's got a got it. There's like a bingo board it. with numbers like one through eighty. Got it. I can see how that could get addictive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds much better than battleship. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit more fun. 
Yeah. And probably more difficult to cheat at. Because you can't just stack all the ships on top of each other. Oh, is that what you that's used to do? Sure. Oh, that's yeah. what my brother did all the time. Oh, you wow. stack them on? No. I would destroy him. <laughs> well, but people assume that once they once they sink one ship, that all the others wouldn't be all together. So it's a strategy that, like, then they keep looking all around the board. Yeah. Is that a legal? Is that a oh, legal no. move in Battleship? Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely I think not. it is. It's not legal. No, Why definitely isn't that not. Legal? It's, Why? A, it's a form of cheating. It's a, it's dishonest play. It's dishonest gameplay. What, That's what it, it is. It might be frowned upon, oh, but I think on. it's legal as far as the game rules are concerned. Are yeah. you serious? There's actual rules that say you can't do that. I would guess that right away. I would. That's not. I mean. <laughs> That's not like too sly. I don't know, but it's been a while since I've played uh, Battleship. So what can I say? So Nick, I actually have, have it on my plans? phone, and I play it sometimes. Uh, do you? I see. Do I, I have that's plans? a great game. Do you? Do you have plans to go back to Nicaragua soon, or do you like? Do you have a flight booked? Like, do you have an idea when you might be going back? Or no, I had to change my flight out of there um, because they were shutting down all flights on the 27th of March. So I was supposed to be down um, for, you know, all of April, May, um, except for a couple of trips here and there, quick trips. So currently I don't. But once this whole thing clears up, um, I'll be down in Nicaragua right away because I have so much to get done down there. Were you on the so, same flight as Skip Martin coming back? I, I wasn't sure if that's what you were saying. No, we no, we weren't on the same flight because he was going to uh, he was going to Texas. Oh, so right. and was I was awesome. going to Miami, but we were in the we were in the airport at the same time. Yeah, um, he you was heading out, and there? I was from time to time. Yeah, um, here and there. Yeah, okay. his his factory is like a half block of where my old house was. So he's in my barrio. My barrio is like, um, and I don't live. T- I live like three blocks from where his factory is. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, but that whole neighborhood I know know pretty well. So everything's so close. You know, everything's close down there. So all the factories, everything's like between five five to maybe ten minutes if there's traffic uh, from everything. So everybody's, it's a small town. But is there a lot of traffic in Esteli? Do you get a lot of roadblocks or just traffic issues? Yeah, now there is, man. I mean, when I first moved down there in 03, it was, uh, it was pretty quiet, not much traffic. Um, there was one, there was one stoplight in town. <laughs> now as Esteli has grown, um, yeah, traffic has become an issue. The streets are not were not built to handle the traffic that currently is um, in Esteli because it's grown so much. So, you know, and then you have one way streets, two way streets that they're just not big enough, the roads. So. Um, so when you get all the factories getting out of work um, at five o'clock. Yeah. I mean, to get across town from north to south part of town, it takes it takes, you know, a good 20 minutes sometimes. Wow. Which is, yeah, I mean, that's that's nothing. But for Esteli, that used to take, you know, five minutes, not even. Is it a but, walking uh, city? Like, would you, like, if you need to go a couple of blocks, would you just walk it? 
or like walk to oh, work, yeah. let's say. I mean, if it, yeah, I mean, if it was, yeah, if you're downtown, yeah, it's pretty okay. easy to walk if you're in the center of town. Um, if you start going outside of the center, it's, you know, not as conducive to walking, but you know, around the town square, the cathedral, uh, center of town, it's, it's not bad. Pretty decent walk. Yeah. Are you, are you taking this time now to like come up with new ideas? Like, or what, what, are, what are your plans with this break? Like, are you trying to be productive or? Yeah, definitely trying to be productive. Um, you know, working a lot of FDA stuff. Of course, that's a, a whole job in itself. Um, that, that's that's still yeah. on for May, isn't it? No, no, September now. So they moved it Wait, to September. When did, they, when did they move it? Um, I think like two two weeks ago, when all this uh, COVID stuff was breaking out, they ended up uh, delaying it to Man, September. I swear I, I, I heard it was still May. All right, well. Yeah, maybe I'm off. I hope I'm not off. <laughs> well, I, I know they talked about it, but, but I don't know if it was ever finalized. Is the big thing. Yeah, to, to my knowledge, by the judge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was changed. Uh, now you got me freaking out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> to my knowledge, that's what my lawyer said. So if he's wrong, they're getting fired. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's wrong, you need a new <laughs> lawyer. I'm paying him way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was it was too much for may so i mean it's really odd man because they don't just, really just so you know the, william cooper says yeah. it's not finalized it's not finalized well coop coop knows okay yeah. man coop i guess you uh, just got my lawyers to, in you're trouble gonna to, you're gonna have to hire the new law team of william cooper cooper and son <laughs> <laughs> i gotta i gotta ask kma from allison um, she wanted to know what your favorite thing about Nicaragua was. Ooh, favorite thing about Nicaragua? Yeah. Um, is I would say, I I would say the people. Um, because if it wasn't for the people, Abe, you know, moving down there, people, you know, welcomed me with open arms and have just treated me, you know, like uh, like a king. So, I think if it was different, I probably wouldn't have stayed in Nicaragua for so long. So, um, you know, people have really big hearts and, uh, you know, people might not have much, but, um, you know, they value relationships and, uh, just have treated me like a million bucks. So, well, there's an old saying that people make the place. So that works there. Yeah. Cooper Coop says they're waiting for appeals court to officially delay. It is anticipated that it will happen, but has not officially happened yet. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, is Coop is Coop coming on today? I guess I should I should just wait for him to report it. Yeah, yeah, he is going to come on today. I just we kind of we kind of have like an because our show is a little bit more freeform now. Um, I kind of have like a, a time period for him. We say like after eleven, be prepared to possibly come on. That's been the that's been the deal. So he's uh he's there in the waiting, but um. <laughs> He, I we'll guess have to he see could, what room he's broadcasting from this week. Yeah, he, oh, he's got a whole – I told him, he said there's not much news this week. Everything's gotten pretty silent. I was like, I don't care. We need to see what room in the Coop estate that you'll be broadcasting from. Last That's week, Nick, he, he broadcasted from the parlor in his house, and it, it was like 
when you're when you're a kid growing up, the room with all the plastic on the furniture at your grandparents' house that you can't sit down in and yes. nobody goes in, but it looks pretty. Yes. That's that's what this room looked like. Uh, I hope he's broadcasting from there. I can't wait to see it. I think he's going to be broadcasting wow. from a different spot. We got Henrik from Europe on. I haven't seen Henrik in a year. Good to see you on, buddy. Just a big shout out there. All right. Very nice. Do you? Uh, Nick, oh, go ahead, Adam. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just on the Nicaragua thing again. Like, you know, I've never been down there. I, I hope to go someday. But like, I have as a as a cigar smoker, I have it, this vision in my head, knowing this business that like all the manufacturers down there, like you know, like uh, you know, once a week get together for like a Sunday dinner. Like, do you? Does that happen? Does stuff like that happen? <laughs> where like where like you and Espinosa and Skip and. Everybody like goes to a local restaurant and you sit at this big long table. Like I'm thinking like mafia dinners, you know, where there's, <laughs> where there's 30 people at a table and you're all, you know, sharing a, a bowl of, uh, I was going to say meatballs, but obviously it'd be something different down there. But do you do that kind of thing with, with the other manufacturers? Not, not every week, but yeah, it definitely happens from time to time where guys get together and, and hang out. And then you have, you know, certain groups that are, I think, hang out more often. Uh-huh. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it happens, but it's not like a weekly thing. It's not okay. Sunday. It's not Sunday dinner at grandma's. I don't know. I could see soccer yeah. down there, like setting up a, setting up a whole meal for everybody and, uh, you know, cooking, soccer cooking making, a big meal. Soccer making meatballs, meatballs. Yeah. I could wearing a, wearing an apron with, you know, the, the Sasquatch on it and serving, serving. Everybody. I've never seen him cook. I've never seen him cook before, but I'd this, love to see that. He's never cooked for me. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the effect of going to Disneyland way too much. It was <laughs> right. It creates these pseudo realities. Oh it creates these pseudo realities in their minds of hey, everybody's at grandma's. Yeah, I mean all this <laughs> narrative. I've been watching Somewhere the Sopranos too much. Over the, the rainbow. rainbow. Way up Sokka's <laughs> cooking dinner. <laughs> Couldn't you see him in like a little apron, yeah. like you know, putting a meatball on your plate? And <laughs> well, if you come down to Nicaragua, we'll have to make that happen. Oh, he I can't needs wait to cook for all of us. <laughs> Nick, Nick, there's an event, the Great Nicaraguan Cookout. I like it. There's, like an, it. Event, there's an event for you, the Great Nicaraguan Cookout. One week. Food festivities, every cigar manufacturer makes a dish, one dish, and they all compete. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. What about the food down I there? I like it. What, is the, is the, are the I restaurants good? I like that good? better than the drag contest. <laughs> well, we, all, we all do. Touché. I like that better than drag. Touche. Um, you know, food is pretty, um, pretty kind of basic as far as like meals go so you don't you're usually getting chicken beef you know you have a fish option pork option and then you have a lot of um you have some local dishes which are pretty pretty incredible um there's a lot of fried foods okay so you gotta be careful because uh yeah but um you know a lot of it's just super fresh and you go to certain markets and you know, certain certain farms. Every Friday, there's a uh, organic market in the center of town. Okay. Um, 
so they sell a lot of uh, organic uh, fruits and vegetables and and things like that, which is pretty great. Um, yeah. And, and you have a uh, home there, right? I'm usually eating like, yeah, yeah. I've had a home there since '03. Yeah, yeah. I used to live on a farm. I, I when I first moved down there, I lived on uh, which is now one of AJ Fernandez's farm called Soledad, uh, which is about four kilometers north of Esteli. So I used to live on that farm across the street from Kiki Burger um, back in the day, and yeah. I figured uh, if I was moving down to learn to become a cigar maker, I had to move to a tobacco farm to start. So, and then I eventually moved in town. Wow, that is really commute? interesting. Did you, have a, did you have a car there? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. I had a horse actually to start. <laughs> yeah. What was the horse's I had name? A horse, Samson. So the woman I was renting the house from had overheard that I always wanted to have a horse. So I showed up from work from the factory one day and there was a horse on my front lawn. And that's when I really that's when I learned the expression don't look a gift horse in the mouth because <laughs> they were there. Yeah, I guess that's I don't know horses that 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 well, but I guess that's one way you tell how horses the quality of a horse is its teeth. Mm-hmm. So when I when I arrived that day, I started looking at the horse, and I was looking kind of like at its mouth. And somebody was like, "Don't do that! Don't do that!" And I was like, "What? Don't you don't look the horse in the mouth? It's it's rude." And I was like, "Oh, that's a real expression." So this horse, I had no business being on this horse. I'll tell you a, a story. You know, this horse wasn't fully trained. It was being trained. I had oh no God. business riding it. One morning before the, I was heading to the factory, I decided to jump on the horse, and the horse would not stop, and I got <laughs> bucked off. My foot got caught in the saddle, and I landed on a rock, and I woke up a half an hour later in the Esteli Hospital with oh the circle of people around me, and I couldn't hear and yeah so luckily you know at that time in 03 the only kind of gringos that were around were peace corps workers so i had become friends with this this guy that was in the peace corps and his mom happened to be traveling visiting him and she was the head nurse at like the minneapolis uh hospital so luckily she tended to me, and then I ended up going to Managua to get get a brain scan and uh, make sure that I didn't have any. I think I I've had permanent damage damage from from that point on. But oh my God. they said I was all right, and and wow. I survived. Yeah. So that was the first incident. I have a special relationship with horses. That was one of three incidences I've had with horses, <laughs> and. Uh, I was born in the year of the horse, so I think we have a special relationship. How long did it take after that to get back on the horse? Yeah, yeah. I I was – oh, I didn't really ride him after that. No, I didn't ride Samson really after that. Uh, no, actually, maybe I did. I think it was like a year later. I was completely 100% stupid for like three weeks because the concussion – it hurt to think – 
Mm. So I couldn't think at all. You know, any thought, it would just cause a pounding headache. So I suffered from a concussion for a good two, three weeks after that. So I was kind of. Yeah, I was kind of useless. I don't mess with horses. I'm not a horse guy, man. I, 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 at some point during my life, I can't remember it was early college or late high school. I think it was late, um, late. I think it was early college. We went on some horseback riding trip, right? And it was one of these things that was made like for non-horse people. Like they had the platform, so you didn't even have to like stir yourself up on the <laughs> horse. You know, you just kind of hopped on. Yeah. So it, 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 as you're walking up to the platform one by one, everybody's getting on the horses. They got the horses lined up, like, you know, people get on go, people get on go. So it was my turn. The guy gets the horse situated, turns around, looks, and goes, oh, oh, yo, bring out Cadillac. (laughs) (laughs) True story, man. And and they bought out from this barn this half Clydesdale, half mule, half something horse, and all it tried to do was buck me for, like, 90 minutes, man. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that was, like, my last horse experience ever. How long ago was that? college i mean early, it, it, it it had to be 90 early 90s before i moved to florida because we did it in wisconsin i mean i'm not Jesus. making a joke i think you might be like over a weight limit of horses i'm not and I'm that's not why like, that's why they called out the half mule half right. deal, half donkey and <laughs> yeah, i was those things I, are listen, gigantic back, back then I, I was 100 pounds lighter than i am now i mean i, mean, I, mean, I don't even try it you know it Going into college, I weighed probably like, you know, 275, 270, you know, 270, 275. So that's still within the range you wouldn't wouldn't kill a horse. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, whatever animal they bought out wasn't like horse. (laughs) No, I killed a horse. It was like half mule, half donkey, half Clydesdale and horse. It was just weird. I mean, you could tell by looking at it, it didn't have the same physical structure. As every, the horse everybody else was on. <laughs> horse on steroids. Yeah, you could tell that horse didn't give a lot of rides that often. Wasn't really thrilled <laughs> somebody was on it. Man. And it yeah. just kept, kept trying to buck me the whole ride. I said, I'm done with horses. I'm good. <laughs> That's a great I never heard that story. Oh, yeah. It's kind I'm of ironic good. because Abe and I live in what's considered horse country in South Florida, in, in Wellington. That's that's where, like, the polo center is. And people from all over the world have houses here, like, and horses. Bill Gates has a house here, Billy Joel. Like, they all they all have horse farms out here. And they, you know, it's where they do all the shows and the polo matches and whatnot. I haven't ridden a horse since I've lived in Florida either, but I love riding. But I'm not, like, good I, at it. I killed a horse. The I horse killed would, a horse once. The horse wait, wouldn't wait. even know you were on its back, Paul. It'd be wait, like oh. thinking it was a fly and swatting <laughs> Wait, wait, did you literally kill a horse? Yeah, so I'll tell this story. I've never told this story publicly before. I mean, publicly on like a live chat story. So the first horse incident when I got bucked (laughs) off was 03. (laughs) So 2006, um, JD was getting uh, married in Nicaragua. So we had a combo Christmas party, wedding party north of Esteli, about four kilometers at a place. Um, it was like a, a, a place for dinner and parties and whatnot. So I'm driving to this event. I have a co-worker and his wife, a uh, co-worker in the front passenger, his wife in the back. So there's a problem in, in Nicaragua. People don't know how to use their freaking high beams. Okay. So high beams... Hmm. 
people don't turn down their high beams. It's one of the most annoying things and one of the most dangerous things when you're driving at night. So I'm headed four kilometers north. I was going like 80 kilometers an hour. This guy is coming straight on with his high beams. I can't see shit. So I automatically cut my speed to about half, so about 40 kilometers. And then before I could see him, there was, I kid you not, a pale white horse. It was like from the book of Revelation. Dude, right? you killed the horse of death. <laughs> I did. And it was in the middle of the Pan American fucking highway. Wow. At, you know, at like eight o'clock at night. Um, so before I could even do anything, this horse was on top. Luckily, I cut my speed to about half. So I slam into the horse. The horse goes spinning off to oh. the side. Oh. Okay. And the, the the car was just completely totaled. Luckily, I, you know, nobody was hurt. So, you know, uh, my coworker's wife's in the back, big animal lover. Oh. You know, I was like, oh. is everybody all right? So we're now off to the side of the road. The horse is behind us, and it is making the oh. most agonizing awful noises that you could ever hear so my co-worker's wife was like do you have a gun you know oh. how do we you know are the police coming and i go police you know the, it's gonna take like god only knows when the police will make it out here so they're up by the car i walk back to where the horse is oh. and i'm like and i'm like oh god this was one of the worst decisions i've ever made in my life so this horse is just suffering oh. and it's pitch dark out there's no street lights or anything like that so oh. i bend down to this horse and i'm like this is awful like this thing is suffering really bad so i made the worst decision of my life i grab its esophagus and start squeezing its air pipe oh my as god hard as i as hard as i fucking can okay Oh my God! Now word word had gotten out to the party that there was an accident. So one of the guys, Jesse uh, Jesse Flores, arrives on scene, and he's there's actually pictures of this. So I'm back by the horse, choking this thing out. Jesse walks up to me and thinks I'm consoling. He thinks I'm like <laughs> consoling the horse. Horse. So. He pats me on the back and goes, it's going to be all right, buddy. As I'm, choking, as I'm choking this fucking horse out, wow. he couldn't see anything. So he didn't know what it was going. It was pitch dark. And then he walks away. And I'm still like oh mid-choking. I'm like, Nick, this is the stupidest fucking decision that you've ever made. And then the horse seized up and threw me back like onto my feet. Oh. And then he was gone. And then it he died. And wow. I, I felt the spirit of the horse pass through me. Wow. And then, and then that was, that was it. That was the pale white horse. Okay. That's yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, I was How's there that, that for a I, horse I, story. I, I was there that weekend. I, I remember hearing about the accident, but I never heard this story. This was the story. Yeah. You were at that party. Yeah, I, was there for the I started drinking tequila that night. I, I was I was having fun, I was having fun there. Well, um, the the you, your story probably got overlapped by the um, Michael Argenti story. Oh my God, man! That whole weekend was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Michael. Are you going to tell that story? Well, I mean, most, <laughs> most people probably don't even know who Mike Argeni is, but it's Nick Perdomo's brother-in-law. He used to be vice president of Perdomo Cigars for a long time. But he's one of the groomsmen, right? It was I, I, John had maybe seven, seven, eight groomsmen. He had a lot of groomsmen. I was one of them. Mike Argeni was one of them. And the day before the wedding, the dude disappears. <laughs> no, no, disappears. The disappears. last. The last place they saw him was a couple guys the night before at a casino, you know, in Nicaragua, winning, right? And they all left, and he refused to leave and stayed by himself. Oh, my God. So now the wedding day comes. No one's seen him. No one's heard from him. The whole wedding happens. No one's seen him. No one's heard of him. We go to the festivities at night. The next morning... No one's seen him. No I was up. Sorry to interrupt, but I spent the whole party that night with the chief of police because he was one of the guests at the one of the police guys trying to find him, like trying to oh figure out God. where this, where oh, this no, guy we, was. We, yeah. we thought he was dead. We yeah. thought we, we, we really thought he was dead. We either figured that he won some money and got like, you know, beat up afterwards or insulted somebody, they killed him and threw him somewhere. And, 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 you know, missing a wedding, bro. And then finally, they get so concerned, they talk the hotel into opening up the room. Because they've been banging, they've been calling, they just figured noise in the room. And sure enough, there he was passed out in the room. <laughs> yeah. Now, and he missed the wedding? Oh, missed two days. Two oh days, gone. God. Oh, yeah. Completely missed the wedding. Yeah, so that's why I, we thought he was dead, because he didn't make the wedding. I have to address a Pete Hernandez comment that I came across chat. So, uh -uh. you know, yeah, Pete Hernandez thought he was being funny when we were talking about my horse experience and said it must have been half elephant, right? Oh, my so, God. No, no, it's okay. But I, <laughs> I just wanted to say that whether it was half elephant, half donkey, half Clydesdale, whatever it was, I managed not to get thrown off for 90 minutes. While Pete Hernandez, it took three guys 15 minutes to get him up on <laughs> To get him up on a mechanical bull that he got thrown oh, off shit. Before, before they turned the bull on. We got a video of this highlight feature, which now he's inspired me. I will be, I will be posting it on the KMA page today. Oh, I thought we video? already did post it once. Oh, oh we're going to do it again. That, oh, that video, oh, I haven't that seen video, it. I would love to see that. It's yeah, really that funny. That video never gets old. It never gets nope. old. There's, it's literally three guys trying to get him on this mechanical bull. You know, they're pushing, they're going another yeah. way, and they finally get him on, and they're clapping, and the, <laughs> dude, the dude's turning around to go turn the bull on, and he falls right he off. He falls off, bull. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I it, can't wait to see that. It's hysterical every single time. Dude, I never, <laughs> never, ever, ever. I will be, if I live to be 80 years old, I will be watching that video regularly. It never, it's never not funny. Why doesn't he think about this? Like that, that you would keep re that you would repost this before he opens his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's the funniest video. You know, you know, Jeff, just a true story. You know, Jeff from Corona, um, Jeff Borshwitz from Corona cigars. He has like a disorder. He can't laugh too heavily. Like he's very careful. He goes to, yeah, he'll pass out. What? Right. He suffers. He yeah. Like he passes out. And when I originally had posted that video, Terrence Riley was in his office, and like Jeff had to get up and leave the room because like he was. Oh my room. god! They were laughing so hard that Jeff was on the verge of passing out. 
Oh my god, that is Sorry. hilarious. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, a, I'm gonna get that YouTube video. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna post it on KMA. Oh, oh Pete's god. gonna be so happy he made that comment. I bet oh, AJ's god. watching. AJ's watching with us now, Adam, uh, Abe. So he could probably, uh, he could probably post it now. Yeah, Abe. AJ, AJ, if you find the YouTube, it's not a YouTube channel. Find the uh, rodeo video from uh, Peter Nandez and post it on KMA. It's it's definitely on a past post too because we've posted it before. It's easier, remember, it's easier to find it on YouTube. Pete Pete was upset about it, I think, at first that we had posted it. I'm not gonna lie. I could care less. It was hilarious. He seems happy now. He seems, the world, the world happy. needed to see that. That was some funny shit, man. Well, he's probably, he he's starts probably up trying to bounce, and bounce himself up onto it. Yes, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's he, trying to build up some bounce to get some jump up. Yeah. He's going nowhere. I forgot about that. <laughs> he's trying to build momentum, you know, because the ground's a little trampolinish in case he fall off. And he's bouncing. like, one, two, <laughs> Back down. Dude, it's so funny. It's so funny. Oh man, it's too bad we can't watch this now while we're all. Uh, yeah, I'm not that tech. I'm not that tech savvy. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we'd have to download it first. But um, is this William Cooper? Where the heck is William Cooper? Is he at like Buckingham Cooper, Palace or something? Like he's that? he's in him. the executive suite of the manor. Wait, <laughs> where is this now? Is that this phone is- actually work? No, it's um. The reason it doesn't work is because it uses a uh, like phones today in the wall use modular jacks. That doesn't have a modular jack, but it was a working phone uh, with my aunt's at my aunt's house for many years. I, you look like you're in Tony this, Soprano's this freaking classic. This is uh this is the dining room I'm in. Wow. Okay. That's the dining room. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Yep. Yep. It's some like it's like some French artwork that actually this house I bought was a model house, and those pieces of artwork just happened to be here with the model house, and it fit in with the furniture. Okay. Did you have your house oh built? Oh my Coop? god! Some eighteenth century. It? it was a model home, so literally we bought the model home. Um, so most of the furniture we kept in the house, except for. This furniture, which we brought up, went, brought down from New Jersey. Yeah, um, I when I got this from my this, aunt. That furniture was not. That furniture was. Yeah, not I, my aunt uh, before she passed away uh, was kind enough to like give me the furniture. She know I've I've loved it since I was a kid, and um, wow. yeah, so yeah, I was very uh, lucky to have. But I always loved that phone. Um, that phone I used to I remember yeah, just, it's just a classic. Yeah, it it, it is. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I tried to get it to work with a modular jack, and it wouldn't. So. Huh. Bummer. Dude, but that's it. Do you even own a landline? Yes, I do own a landline. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I do, wow. but we do have a landline. Yeah. That's how you know you're it's old. Because it's cheaper with the plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. So, how's everybody surviving in uh, the Carolinas there, Coop? Um, I mean, they're they're hanging in there. That's for sure. Um, I've literally. Like I said, I've been pretty much at this at the house. I haven't left the house in about a month right now. Uh, literally, I've just—I mean, I, I literally have not left the house. And uh, my wife or my kids have gotten everything we need right now. And that's—but here's the thing with me: it's a little different because since I've taken this new day job a couple of years ago, most of the work has been from home. 
So I'm kind of used to working from home as, a, as opposed to it. But the difference is I don't have to get on planes like once a week. Like, I take short short term travel for one or two days. I don't have to do that as uh, now. And I'm kind of <laughs> it's not the same. What the it's heck? Not, is it's that... not the same unless you have the sound, man. The sound. Oh, this ah. is Peter Nandez. Yes. Oh. Look at all the guys trying to get him on. Look, they're all happy. They're clapping. Yes. Wait, my favorite. My favorite is the cowboy after he falls off, looks at the crowd, and goes. Video is off. Oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> okay. There you go. There you yeah, go. that that video never gets old. Never. Holy cow! I gotta watch that. Like I'm gonna watch that like five times. Bro, I'm telling you, you save that for a rainy day. You pull it up, you watch it, you yeah. automatically have a better mood. Start a watch press, but you'll get a ton of views. <laughs> oh. So, Coop, what's going on in news? I know you said it was a, a light news week. And maybe you want to elaborate on what we were talking about before as far as the uh, postponement till September. So, so here's the deal. Yes, it's not finalized yet, but they're expecting it to be finalized, mainly like most, I guess, people who are close to the uh, the cigar industry and the insiders. Um, it has to be kind of, I would say, signed off by the appeals judge right now, where the, I think the district court judge has already said it's delayed till September. Yeah. Um, that's the judge. But it has to be signed up by the appeals judge. Most people are saying they don't expect that not to happen. So it, it should happen. It's just a matter of when right now. But, I mean, if we're looking at, like, the date was May 12th, and that's almost around the corner now, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I would. I think we're going to hear something. I would say we're going to hear something in the next couple of weeks at the most. Um, you know, we were getting into Easter season. We were in the peak of these, uh, you know, shelter in places. So. I'm sure the courts were dealing with things like that right now, but I think you'll start to that, that appeals court judge will do something in the next couple of weeks. Right. And thankfully, at least some judges are still working because, well, they have to. They have to get some of these things out, but it's not major things. And most court dates have been pushed aside. And, and the date is moved till September, it, it's looking like right now. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Nick, I think you'll be okay. I mean, is what I'm saying, but yeah, it hasn't officially been signed off. Yeah. yeah, that's what pretty much my lawyer was saying. So they think it's going to go through, but we'll be ready either way. Exactly. Exactly. What else, Coop? What else? Exactly. Is Get on? it done now and worry about later. Um, I know you guys touched on some of the factories uh, earlier on that are closed. What the the one thing I'll add is I you know, Nick I think I described Nicaragua are very accurate right now what's going on there. Uh, we we do know that um, Honduras is still shut down right now. I am hearing that some of the factories and and Cigar Aficionado also has been reporting this. Um, some of the factories are starting to open in the Dominican Republic again, and they're and they're opening in limited capacity right now. So that's some I guess some news of anything. That's, Sorry, that's, that's Adam's. That's Adam's computer. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do, Paul? 
I don't know. Hang up. <laughs> His video was frozen. I was trying to bring him back on the call. So anyway. you added it, and then I added it. We both did it. Yeah, yeah. Continue, mm-hmm. Coop. Sorry about that. We're still so, we're I, still learning how to do this. No, that's okay. Uh, it's not easy. I could tell you firsthand. Um, <laughs> so, so in the Dominican General Cigar, they've started to operate at limited capacity. Uh, Tabacalera de Garcia, which is uh, Altadis' factory, they're open at limited capacity. Uh, Lafleur has been operating also now at uh, limited capacity as well. Um, there are a few that are still shut. So, But we are starting to see things start to go back, I guess, in the Dominican right now. So that's that's actually some good news right now that we're hearing out of that. Could be worse. Hey, at least we got somebody working out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I think the next couple of weeks are worth watching. I mean, Honduras, like I said, is the, is the one country that's still totally shut down right now. And have they given any timeline at all for when they think they're going to reopen anything, or are they just still on a wait-and-see kind of scenario? So from what I understand from talking to Justo Aroa, it's every like the the mandate to be shut is a, a weekly thing, and then they revisit it on a weekly basis. So it's kind of like they don't know yet; it's a moving target. But they're it's every week they're reevaluating it, is what he said. Okay. Well, we will have to wait and see, or as we say with government work, hurry up and wait. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you got governments at play here. I mean, you're going to see that this country is going to be very interesting. Just what's going on here, because. You're seeing announcements of back, uh, you know, back to business, but they're gradual right now, and so it's going to be a while before I think we see any semblance back to normal, even in, in any industry, including the cigar industry right now. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, I, I think, company by company and their inventory levels. Um, but, you know, right now for us, because Nicaragua hasn't really shut down. I mean, we were shut down for Semana Santa, which was Holy Week, which is normal. Um, so that was in the plan. So right now, I mean, as far as Nick is con- concerned, um, there shouldn't be any major issues, but you know, if it, if it breaks out down there and then they start shutting things down, um, you know, I can imagine that you'd have some, you know, delays with Honduran production and Dominican production because things have been shut down. Um, so, you you know, but it depends on how much inventory, you know, each company, each brand has been holding. So, Nick, um, let me ask you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. I know you guys were talking about Ortega earlier on, right? Now, he yeah. surfaced this week after there was like the day after a report came out that he hasn't been seen. But when a leader's like out of pocket for a month, right, there's something going on. That, that just doesn't happen, I would say. Yeah. I don't – man, your guess is as good as mine. Right, man. yeah. I don't know if he, he's just having his wife handle it. Uh, maybe, you know, if things went awry, they would kind of direct things towards her instead of him. Maybe. I don't know. I've heard he's had some health problems Um, from the video. I saw he didn't look like he was, you know, in too bad of of condition. 
Um, but I know he's been he's been dealing with some of his own health issues. So I don't know if they were related to that or if he was trying to stay away from people. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's kind of mysterious and it's it's tough to know. Exactly. Because um, mm-hmm. those guys are kind of mysterious. Mm-hmm. So not big givers of information. No, 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 yeah. And then their video that they released in this, they, they released a video that they made with his speech. Um, so they kind of like took his speech and then put together a video of healthcare workers and people tending to people and kind of uh, giving the population, yeah, to to let people know that they were taking care of this you know, situation and they were, you know, putting resources into the healthcare and, uh, you know, taking it seriously, which was interesting because it was, um, you know, like three weeks delayed response, but you got to remember they were leading when this all happened, it was leading up into Semana Santa, which is Holy week, which is a huge tourism week for Nicaragua, the beaches, um, you know, resorts. So, you know, we had all those political problems two years ago. So tourism, you know, dipped 95%. So it's slowly been increasing over the past two years. So this was supposed to be a huge uh, Holy Week, you know, for tourism. This this spring break week was supposed to be huge um, in getting tourism back on its feet in Nicaragua. So I think they were kind of wrestling with that like um you know whether it was serious or not and whether they should jeopardize you know this big tourism week so i think that might have played a little bit bit of a role in it but i don't know that's interesting yeah i mean i like a lot of the factories that were some of the factories i guess shut a little before the holy week so some made a decision to shut um you know Instead of taking a week off, they took two weeks off, is what what I heard in Nicaragua. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. That was the case for some of the factories. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough to know because nobody really knows, um, you know, how many cases or, you know, how bad it's affecting people. I can tell you just in Esteli, everybody took it. The common people took it really seriously. Most people I knew, most families were hunkered down in their ha- their houses and practicing social distancing, masks. Um, yeah, a lot of the factories had alcohol dispensaries and uh, not alcohol dispensaries. What do they call it? The gel, the, the uh, alcohol gel there for everybody coming into the factory. So, um, yeah, people were taking it serious. Okay. Even well, though the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they yeah. have to. They have to. They 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 have they have nowhere near the close to the means to handle the pandemic down there. Yeah, I think there's one ventilator in Esteli, maybe. Oh my God, Jesus, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what that's what Skip Martin had said. Is basically if anyone gets sick, there's not a ventilator to be found. Yeah, is, is anybody read yeah. the art? Has anybody read the article that now the ventilators aren't helping or aren't good for COVID patients? No, dude. No, what, there what is. Google it. There's there's an article for every position 
yeah. in the universe, all by medical people. And whatever. They're saying the ventilators are, are not good to put people on ventilators for COVID. I, I just read it yesterday or the day before. And then hmm. this morning I turned on, and I don't know if I missed this news piece. What's going on with the plasma now? Well, they're testing. Dude, they got people lined up now taking plasma and donating plasma. Yeah, because people that have had the – so I have a friend that's part of the study in New York because she had COVID. She's in her mid-50s, and uh, she she got through it. She was in the hospital for a couple of days, and then they sent her home to recover. So it took about two weeks for her to fully recover. And now they have her part, as part of a study at Stony Brook University where she comes in, I think, twice a week to give blood and plasma – so that they can so that they can test her antibodies to see what makes her different that she was able to recover from it at her age. I, that's not the same story. The story I was watching on the news this morning is they're taking the plasma and using it on critical patients. Right, mm. from other from people that have survived the Right, they're using yeah, it because there's antibodies in it. But I don't think that's I don't think any of that is proven to work. It's kind of like a last ditch effort to see if if the if the antibodies from somebody who survived the virus could help someone else. Well, there's also they're just, more. Go ahead, they're just trying to throw stuff at the wall at this point because what else are you going to do? And you have no idea what else is going to work, so you got to start and throw some stuff at the wall and see what happens. There is also some new news saying that it's confirmed that like sunlight and UV rays and like heat, like outside heat, can kill the virus. So, like playgrounds that are exposed to the sun all day are technically okay. Anything, anything that gets to 130 degrees will start mm. to break down the virus. But That's the question so is then, why here in Florida do we still have so many cases? Because it's, it's not 130. Like 90... It's not 130 yeah, degrees everywhere. Yeah, in, indoor, degrees. indoor, yeah. indoors too. Yeah, it's not 130 degrees or you know anywhere. I mean, you need a piece of steel, black or metal that's going to have the sun beating down on it for maybe even to get close to 130 degrees. It's not that easy to get to 130 degrees. You know, it's got that fatty cell around it that starts to break down at that temperature. I just can't believe hmm. that we're still here. That like this is still going on. That's that's Listen, the insane part to me. When it, but when is it really going to change? Like I was thinking about this, right? I'm quarantined. I've been in this house now for well, three weeks or whatever. My wife is utterly sick of me, right? We go through all this stuff, right? And then let's just say a month from now we open back up, and I go and I take my normal precautions. I go to work. Don't get near anybody. Wipe stuff down. Or, dude, in August which I don't think the universe will be any safer. I got four kids going to back to the number one German-fested cesspool in the universe school. Uh, no, not. Mm. I, I don't think they will. You don't you think, think they're, they're going never back, gonna to go school back to school in August? In um, cert, okay, I'll say this. Abe, in certain parts of the country, they are not going back. Yeah, go ahead. I heard a lot. Some, some of these universities are looking to go back in January of yep, next that's year. What I, I know my son's in that boat. Yep, exactly. Are, universities are different. Most of them are taught over the internet these days, right? These kids are mature, yeah. and the universities, most of them, already have a curriculum set in place for virtual schooling. 
Right? Abe, you, yeah. yeah. But Abe, they're not going to put 35 kids in a classroom anymore, even in, if this thing resolves. They're going to implement smaller class sizes with, with distancing, and they're going to have to figure out how to do this. I don't know if they're going to be able to get everyone Paul, back at the school is my Paul, point. What's, what's the point of the classrooms? These kids don't have this psychological fortitude to understand. They're going to get near each other when they're not in the hallway, on the bus. On yep. the way. You know, you, you, listen, eventually it's just going to have to end up being herd immunity. You're just going to have to send people out in the world and they're going to get sick. You know, I mean, it's just what's going to end up happening. Or there's a vaccine, but half the people won't take it because they're afraid of the effects of the vaccine. You know, I know, I but think, how many people would be infected, Abe? You, imagine this wasn't happening right now. You would have. Okay, wait, hold on. Read, I, yeah, I want to address ahead. something. Anthony said the kids are safe to go to school. Listen, the kids aren't getting it, and you're right, but they they can spread it. They're carriers. They're Listen, carriers. Yeah. My kids are going to bring it home to me, and I'm sitting here quarantining myself. You know That's what I mean? Exactly the case. Right? It's not. It's, it's not about the kids getting yeah. sick. Most of them will have asymptomatic if they get it at all, you know, or a little cold. It's it's going to bring it home to the older people. And and let me yeah. say something, you know. There's people I could tell you who I'm very close with who have this virus, who are beacons of health. They are they're they're like in their mid thirties. They have have had no health problems, and I know they've gotten this. Um. I know that some have even died because of this, right? This is not, you know, I keep hearing people say isolate the vulnerable. I get that, but this is a very highly, if you read the biology of this, this is a very highly contagious virus. And that's what the biggest scare yeah. it is. I, I, think, I think they made some assumptions of vulnerability. And sure. I think that's what caused yeah. the problem. Because they knew it was a respiratory problem, right? Mm-hmm. So they took all the things that are, that are normally coincide with respiratory issues, whether it be overweight, high blood pressure, smoking, which I fall under all three, right? <laughs> um, but then you got guys who are fit and died because I, I think part of it is some genetic, some genetics, right? Yeah. That's that's why guys are asymptomatic. That's why people get it. I, 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 I think they made early assumptions on what high risk and who high risk were. Yeah. And they still don't know the facts because I was even reading an article by an Israeli doctor who's saying that he's seeing the patterns and it's got nothing to do with quarantining. So, I mean, it, it, look, the more you read, the more confused, confused, everything looks out there. So it, it, at some point you're just going to say, fuck it. I, I'm know? just glad Abe that we have people on Facebook every day giving us those statistics, man, because that's what really helping me out. I want to thank everyone out there because you're doing a great job on Facebook. <laughs> All the Facebook ex- experts. Oh my goodness. Nick, I'm sorry I cut you off earlier. What were you saying? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I, I was just reading if there was no social distancing, if no precautions were taken, they were saying potentially, you know, 150 million people would be infected in the United States. Yeah, six, and that's what they were. 60% or 70% of the population yeah, they were which saying. is staggering um, numbers, but I don't know. I guess they were they were saying 1.2 to 1.7 million mortality rate, which is 10, 12 higher times higher than the the normal flu. Um, I don't know, man. This is well, and that's that's the problem. So we so we did this. We're doing this. We're keeping it from spreading, or at least slowing it down a bit. But when like when do we when do we go back and and if if we do go back is this just going to pop back up again is the is the well I, I I think the real hope is that 
whenever we go back and then there'll be a lot more cases again and there'll be people spreading it that medically they'll be ready to handle it where they wouldn't right. have been they wouldn't have been a month ago right that that's the only logical thing i could see out of everything that's going on but hey we're never going to shake hands again elbow bumps for everybody yep elbow bumps you ain't elbow bumping my ass <laughs> <laughs> go elbow bump a wall somewhere okay <laughs> i mean you're still touching if you're elbow bumping though you know like I don't know. Somebody said that was a thing too at one point. I was like, all right. No, they did. They did. They did. You're right. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I waved to people. I, you know, I see my neighbors. I saw our landscaper who came here to do some work the other day. I, you know, like everybody I see were just like, hey, how are you from, you know, a safe distance away? It's Dude, some people still don't get it. I yeah. had to run out for something the other day and I'm at the register. You know, the register, the register's got all this plasticking from the ceiling with a little yep. slit underneath or whatever. And as I'm, as I'm waiting, I see the next person line walking up to me. I'm like, oh, hey, yo, oh. Yeah. I mean, they just, like in a, in a bubble verse, they have no yep. clue. Yeah, and he's just not that. worried about and, it. And these are adults. What about the kids running around when they go back to school? They'll be yeah. playing tag. Yeah, I, I worry about that, too, with my kids. Like, they don't know not to touch things and not to... Hell, my kid comes out here because I got I have basil and and mint and all that stuff and of course he saw me just pulling mint and basil off the off the bushes in here and eating it so now his new thing is to just pull leaves off of things and eat it and I'm like oh my god oh boy but but way to go Paul yeah but, but <laughs> like, well, I'm Italian that's what you do you walking you're walking by the basil plant you take one you chew it but um we're 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 luckily teaching him that those are the only two plants he can do that with. So he, he's been pretty good. The rest of the stuff out here, he's, he's been good. But, you know, it's stuff like that. Like, how do, how do you tell children that they, that they can't do it? And luckily, for their sake, my, you know, my son is a year and a half, and my other son was just born. So he's, he's what, three weeks old now. So, like, they don't, they don't know what's going on. But, you know, all your kids, Abe, like, it's got to be tough for them, man, because they're, they're in a world where they can do certain things, where they can – live a certain life, they've gotten comfortable with the way the world works, and now all of a sudden, all of that stuff is out the window for them. Like, yeah. Petra, Petra at her age, like, th- she's got a, you know, she's just starting to get really social with friends and stuff like that at her age. Now she, she's, she's missing out on all that. It's tough. She just had a birthday a couple days ago. We had to do ah, a video so thing, and, you know, it's just, look, but honestly, they still have enough to keep them occupied. Mm-hmm. The three oldest girls got school Monday through Friday. They got virtual piano lessons, virtual violin lessons, right? right. So that's kind of the norm. The tennis lessons are out the door. But the, the boy is going haywire. Yeah, he's he's got, got, he has nowhere to get his energy out, right? He, he's just running around like a madman all day, shadowing me, jumping, doing this, <laughs> doing that. I mean, yeah. he just doesn't know what to do. Yeah, because my son used to do like, you know, every day of the week he had a different type of thing to do. So he had swim lessons, he had, uh, you know, all different types of classes, art class, music class, that kind of stuff. Even at a year and a half, now he's got nothing. So no. like it, it is it is a chore trying to work from home. And I'm, I'm still just fully working from home and trying to help my wife with him and the baby, trying to keep them occupied. I can't imagine what it's like for people like you that have kids that, you know, know what's going on. They've been in the pool a lot more often, and thank God yeah. they still haven't gotten that bored of it yet. But I, you know, how long is that going to last? 
Well, yep. when we were kids, that's what we did. I mean, yeah. I don't have a pool. We have a, we have like six kiddie pools now. Somebody just sent us this massive kiddie pool. But I bought this house because I didn't want a pool when the kids were really young. I want a pool when they're like, you know, five, six years old is when I like, because that's when I loved the pool. I wanted them to be comfortable with swim lessons and all that have, stuff. But have, have you taught Axel how to swim yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's He goes to swim okay. lessons once a week up until the last three weeks. Okay. He, well, how he knows how to he, swim. How old is he now? A year and a half. Axel's a year and a half only? Yeah. Oh, He's good job. We need to bring him back. We need to bring him back to back. 20, nice. 20, 20 months. They're 20 months apart. That's that. You start them early, bro. That's perfect. All so my kids, was, all my kids were swimming in their first year. Like yeah. between one and two. Yeah. He can swim and get to the edge and get out of the pool and all that stuff. And but if you live in Florida, well, that's all you want him to do. You're not teaching yeah. him to be Olympic. You don't need a Michael Phelps. You want him to know how to roll over and back paddle to the edge and get out of the pool. That's right. all you need to do. Or at least yeah. hold on to the wall. That's all you want him to do. If you yeah. live in Florida, it's a must. It's the number one death. It's the number one cause of death in children under four in the state of Florida. Yeah. It's a must. Jesus. Yeah, it's a must. So It's a must. <laughs> it's a must. It is, man. It's no joke in Florida. Yeah. We were just forced into it as kids anyway because all of our family had pools when I was growing up, but... Anyway, it, see, it's, we, it's just a different world. See, Paul, we played in the fire hydrants in New York. Right. Yeah. Well, you seriously, were in the city. I, I yeah. Was on so Long Island. I I never learned to swim. So you don't know how to swim now? I don't know how to swim now. I have uh, my two oldest kids. On the other hand, they have been swimming competitors and have won championships. But I can't swim oh. a lot. Yep. But yeah, like I said, we I didn't really have access to those types of pools in Brooklyn. So we we play out by the fire hydrants and the sprinklers back then. Coop, would you be willing to take swim lessons and have us document them? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, That'd be a great series, man. <laughs> because it ain't going to happen. That would be awesome. <laughs> You're going to teach a 52-plus-year-old man to swim. It's not going to happen. Don't, you don't want to learn how to swim? At least, like, can you, like, get yourself out of the water if you have to? Yeah. Yeah, but if you if you, if you you talk to the guys who were at the media compound with me when I went into the deep water, there was a little bit of fear. I was on the float in the deep water, and suddenly I just realized my oh. feet were from me, and I, I was treading to get to the edge. There was a little oh, bit of geez. concern at the media compound with that. Coop, you could learn how to swim in 10 minutes. Yeah, tread wa- treading water is the, is the hard paddle. part of the yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not, paddle, I'm not talking about, like, Olympic swimming, but you could learn how to jump in a deep end and get to the edge in, like, five minutes. Why? Yeah. yeah. It's I'm not, not deep sea fishing or anything like that. I don't know, man. <laughs> Someone knocks you in the pool accidentally. What pool? When you're at your media compound. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the one thing. Yeah. Somewhere, somebody, <laughs> you really want your hand, your life in the hands of Juan Canso? Oh, God. <laughs> you know, are these, the guys, are these the guys Kurt. you're going to want to hopefully jump in and save you? No, that would be... Kendall said floaties. That would be... Look, I, had, oh, I had a little duck... Oh, you had a... There's, there's some video of me, I think, out on the pool uh, uh, somewhere. Oh, Aaron may have it, or someone hey, bear, one of those guys. Before, before we get before we get off the air, Allison seems to be infatuated with your feelings on Nicaragua. She has an ask uh, KMA real quick. She wants to know, do you prefer being in Nicaragua or Connecticut? Um, I actually, I prefer being in Nicaragua a lot of the times. Yeah. I, I kind of get to a point where when I'm in Nicaragua for too long, I'm ready to come back stateside. And then when I'm in stateside too long, 
I'm ready to go to Nicaragua. Okay. But all right, so so let me help let me let me help her get her answer then. Where yeah. do you find your, where do you find yourself spending more time until you get to that point where you're tired of being there and need to go back? In in Nicaragua. In Nicaragua. So that means you, yeah. you enjoy Nicaragua. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I've spent more time stateside over the past five years because of like you said before, starting the company and, and needing to focus on the uh, sales and distribution side and and uh, but otherwise I would I love being on the factory floor around tobacco fermentation piles in the fields. I definitely <laughs> love that part of the business. I love being inside humidors also, but there's the something about Nicaragua I love. I just love going there. It's when something you retired, I Nick, would you would you consider staying there full time? Yeah, I think eventually I'll end up spending instead of going back and forth so much, I'll probably spend like you know six months maybe, and then maybe summers here, and then rest of the time down there, preferably. Okay, that seems like a pretty good average to get things going. Yeah, yeah. You just got to then buy your own factory so you can just do that the whole, full time. Giddy up. <laughs> uh, so, Giddy up. Coop, what do you got coming up this week? Anything exciting? Um, it, it will be mostly a review week this week um, where I'm going to be reviewing um, the Aladino, Connecticut, and the La Florida Minicana TAA Maduro, and the J.C. Newman American. Um, so this week... Uh, we're also with we Sean Williams from Cohiba on the Thursday primetime show. Oh, okay. Going with a lot of general guys recently. Is that did that just kind of work out or it it, it kind of just worked out. Um, we we've kind of haven't changed our guest plan much either. We've had a lot of people wanting to guest, but we're trying to get we, we always try to get guests we haven't had on before. So that's really what we've been exploring. And and there's a couple down the pipeline which once I have them finalized, I think are going to surprise some people too who are getting on. So spoilers. Spoilers, but I, I they're not done deals yet. That's why I want to be uh, real careful about that. But but we have like I said, we, free. yeah. Well, I mean, we, we want to work it. What I'm saying is, we're trying to get some of the guests. Like a lot of people are making the book tours right now. We're trying not to go and be a part of those book tours. We're trying to do our own thing there and just kind of differentiate ourselves. Ah, uh, very good. Well, everybody, make sure you check that out. Nick, uh, what do you got planned for the rest of the day, man? I mean, you got <laughs> out of the way. I mean, what are you going to do now? I'm actually probably going to head up to my office and uh, pick up some mail and uh, probably smoke a cigar out in the field and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Maybe now, meet up with some friends. I wanted to talk about that earlier, but we totally missed it. Are you still growing tobacco behind the office? So right now behind the office, they're actually growing, um, uh, I think it's uh, barley now for beer. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So some of the uh, barns, we're going to be doing a little bit of experimenting mm -hmm. in part of the field. Um, so some of the barns on the on our office uh, need some work. Um, so a lot of the there's barns up the street that are being used. Um, so we're using those ones instead. Um, so. So, yeah. Yeah. Was any of the stuff, like you had a backup crop previously on there like a year or two ago. Right. Yeah, we were experimenting with some things. So, did you get any some, actual product out of that? 
Yeah, but you know, it takes a lot of time, man. Especially mm-hmm. when you're you're working with new seed varieties. Um, you know, it takes takes some time. So I'm trying to encourage a lot more seed uh, experimentation here in the valley. Um, because if you know, you know, Connecticut shade production has gone down so much over the past, you know, 20, 30 years, most of it's gone to, uh, gone to Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's very little Connecticut shade being grown, but we can't grow enough broadleaf in the Valley right now, uh, cause the demand's so high, but, um, there's a lot of seed experiment experimentation happening, which I think is good because Connecticut kind of dropped off from experimenting over the past 30 years. And, um, you know, that's what originally made Connecticut shade in 19, early 1900s was a lot of experimentation with hybridization of seeds. And um, unfortunately, over the years, that's kind of gone down the experimentation. It's now now increasing. So there's a lot more experimentation happening. Which is good, I think. So Absolutely, experimentation. Innovation. Good. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, this year will be a good growing season. This past crop in Connecticut was was great. The weather cooperated. Crop was good. Year before last was uh, the rainiest uh, Connecticut we had in like 50 years. So hence that caused a lot of problems with uh, broadleaf production. Right. and supply so excellent yeah so right. uh we did a great seed to cigar video time lapse um i encourage everybody oh, yes. to check out on, good. on youtube um sorry Where, how do we find comic. it what is the search um, so just go to you go to youtube you can check out foundation cigars on youtube we're trying to get our youtube channel going now um or you can just look up seed to cigar so cool. seed to cigar i think it comes up top so it's a time lapse from the seeds start in my hands and then goes through the whole process right to the packaging of the box so we worked on that for just about over a year and uh came out pretty good because there was a lot of people asking about the process constantly so i thought it would be cool to do a time lapse so there's a 10 minute version and then there i did a one minute version real quick version but very cool i'm definitely gonna have to go check that out all right Coop, we will definitely talk to you next week sounds good uh, Nick, thanks for being here, buddy. Uh, My pleasure, guys. Be yeah. safe. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hopefully, we'll definitely talk to you soon. Uh, Paul, who's coming on next week? Next week is going. Oh God, I just had it written in front of me. Hold on. No it's clue. Paul, no, no, I do. I, it's actually it's a pretty. Paul, just next week just is so Michael you know, Berklotz from yeah, Matt Sherman. Just so you know, we end the show every week with announcing the host. So. Yeah. It's not like you can not. You can always text yeah. to me beforehand too. You know, you might, you have, might just want to get ready. In advance. I have the next three weeks. Like I have every the next week when we part. ask you this question, you go, "Oh my God!" So, so Michael Herklotz from Nat Sherman Cigar Company will be on next week. And here's a here's a kicker. And I'm sorry, Coop. This is going to be a a rumor and a teaser. But although it's not a rumor, it's confirmed. Skip Martin will be joining us the following Saturday in May, the first what? Saturday in May. What? So only we'll, only uh, three years in the making. I get, I'm hoping I get, I'm hoping I he can go, send us some cigars. I gotta go do. Well, why don't you ask him? I'm sure he'll send you yeah. some. He yeah, always gives free samples out. If Skip's coming on. I gotta go do some studying. I gotta go do some homework. <laughs> well, you got ah. two weeks. But next week we're excited to have Michael Herklotz on, uh, it live in studio. Well, via Skype from the bunker. <laughs> How's this? What's studio? <laughs>
This is the Mission Studio. Yeah, it's the best we can afford. Yes, very much so. Uh, special thanks to Nick Coop. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Nice, guys. We'll, we will definitely talk to you soon. Uh, everybody, stay out there. Wash your hands. Uh, social distance yourselves, and don't touch your face. Till next week, and as always, keep it lit. <laughs>